Welcome to our first or second episode of the podcast. Hi, Jurian. Hi, Philippe. Hi, Bastian. Okay, so maybe let's start with a short recap of last episode where Bastian talked about his frustrating experience with um, the Metabones and Sigma MC11 adapters. Um, I think you have what fig figured out mostly? Uh, yeah, mostly is probably the right description. Um, for starters, uh, I was using the 200 millimeter 2.0 from Canon for that wedding I was shooting in Estonia. And pretty soon I found out that when I have this uh, this face registration feature turned on and I try to take a picture with a Canon lens, the camera will simply freeze. So well, it sucks. Yeah, it, it sucked. And luckily, I, I kind of found out fast what was causing this issue. So after I found out and turned the feature off, during the whole wedding, everything was pretty much fine. Then I noticed that the Metabones adapter does not sit really tight on the lens, the MC11 does. So um, with some duct tape between the lens <laughs> and uh, the adapter bayonet, I managed to make it uh, make the connection a bit more secure, but uh, still, once it happened to me again that the camera simply froze, and I haven't fully figured it out yet. But at least I'm pretty fast with turning camera off, taking battery out, putting battery back in, and then it works again. Okay. So, yeah. So. So much more improved, but still not the reliability you would really like for uh, exactly. professional shooting. Exactly. So luckily, this is only a lens mostly for like staged or special shots during a wedding. Yeah. So it is okay for me, but it it really isn't great. I would I would really hope that the Metabones would offer the stability of the Sigma MC11. But yeah. it's it's unfortunately not the case. Yeah, and you have still no uh, no reason why just the 200F2 isn't supported by the Sigma adapter. Absolutely and not. And and only in combination with uh, A7 III. On A7 R2 it, it works. It makes absolutely no sense no sense at all okay but yeah this, this this yeah but the 200 f2 uh, from canon is there to stay or are you looking at the next one already uh, no no well first thing is by now i think i tried like most notable most of the notable lenses in in that uh, area so there isn't much left for me to try anyway. <laughs> and this one still with the in-lens image stabilizer and the AF and now IAF on Gen 3 cameras, it 
actually even with with it freezing every now and then is is still an amazing amazing lens it, especially vi autofocus is working really well really well okay so for now it it will stay yeah maybe maybe if if sigma or sony come out with a new one with a bit more fluoride glass i might be tempted but then those will probably be north of 6,000 euros, and then I may not be tempted anymore. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's safe to say that it would be above 6K, probably yeah. more like 10. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if Sigma came out with it, then you could stay below 6K, but I think they have never done a super fast 200 millimeter. No, but then maybe it it will be heavier than the older Canon one, and then I may also not be interested. Uh, that's a great bridge to um, our next topic. We have a topic list, and uh, the next uh, topic I've got in it is uh, possible Sigma FE lenses. Um, some time ago, there was an interview with a Sigma CEO, CEO and he said, yeah, lenses will come, but that's about what he said. He didn't say which lenses nor when they would come. I'm talking about native lenses designed for mirrorless, so potentially significantly smaller. And um, now Sony Alpha rumors or our always trusted uh, source of rumors um, Rumored that there will be, um, I think, four new lenses: uh, 35 millimeter 1.2, 45 millimeter f 2.8, and a 12 to 24 millimeter zoom, and a 24 to 70 millimeter zoom. I think. Yes. Um, what would you expect from these lenses? Maybe Julian first. Oh, I fear they will be quite big, but uh, I'm especially interested in the 1224. I said it's a very handy range for my landscape photography. Yeah. So if it's not too big, I might be interested to test one. Yeah. Do you have a personal limit when when is it too big? Well, the heaviest lens I now own is about uh, 600 grams, and that's already kind of heavy, so 800 grams is the max for me. Okay. Yeah, since it's rumored to be a 2.8 lens, uh, I'm not sure how reliable that is. He gave it a SR5 rating, but, uh, well, it's only other rumors. But, Bastian, what do you think? Any chance for it to be under 600, closer to 600 than 800 grams? The 12 to 24 millimeter f 2.8. See it closer to 800, but I think they can pull it off because already the the 16 to 35 2.8 gm, it is actually pretty compact for what it is, and I think it's it's also only slightly above 600 grams, but I may be mistaken here. I would have to check, but I think it's, it's not much more. And I think the G Master is like 670 grams or so. I think something like that. And um, we have 
also seen from Laois, the 12 millimeter 2.8. It is not that big actually, and it's a DSLR design. And we have seen with with a 24 uh, 1.4 GM with a Laois 15 2.0 that these ultra wide angle lenses, even when they are fast, they can be pretty small for for mirrorless. So yeah. I think there is hope. But the bigger question for me is, what are Sigma's internal design criteria for these native mirrorless lenses? This, for me, is the big question mark for all of those. I fear a bit, like over the last years with their art lenses, they are, they are optically usually very good. They are very big and very heavy, but I think for Sigma, this worked pretty well. So yeah, they put performance and low price above weight, and that's basically their formula for any lens they released in the last years. And well, it's worked really out really well for them. So if if I was in charge, I think I would be very careful with changing that formula but yeah. then on the other hand we already have the full setup from 14 to 135 millimeter with those let's call it semi-native lenses yeah so does it really make sense to make like almost the same lens Native, I am not so sure about that either. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I would think that they will, I think 600 grams would be too optimistic for f2.8 lens. And another question would be, I guess they will design them to work well with uh, all the native uh mirrorless mounts so um that's like a sl mount don't know what it's actually called like I think that's L. yeah l mount. um canon canon rf and nikon that um so that could be a disadvantage for them because they can't um design to the best um they lose uh, degrees of freedom in designing a lens uh, which would fit all four mounts and work well with them. That could be another factor why size would slightly increase and yeah. Also, the more recent lenses like the 28mm 1.4 or 40mm 1.4, they increase performance significantly above above the older art lenses like the 35 millimeter 1.4 that is significantly smaller and more affordable um, than the last um, art lenses so I see a trend towards even higher performance in the last lenses and I would extrapolate from there and think they would go really high with performance and yeah, so be slightly more expensive and yeah, 
significantly bigger. So my best guess would be 800 to 900 grams for a 12 to 24 millimeter f2.8 zoom from them. And we shouldn't forget about the 105 millimeter 1.4, which is uh, 1.7 kilos, I think. Yeah, 1.7 kilo, and the the diameter of the the front of the lens is the same as uh, 200 millimeter 2.0. Okay. Uh, which doesn't really make sense. I'm to be honest, I I'm not really sure what they got out of this big front element seriously because it's um, in in terms of performance I don't think it's much better than the 135 1.8 which has like the same opening yeah and but the one 135 it looks reasonably sized by comparison I think it's so, closer to a kilo 1.1 kilograms maybe yes. Yeah, something like that, and also the diameter. I think the the filter thread is like 82 or 77, reasonable, definitely. Yeah. And what was also quite interesting, a few days ago, I read of a guy who was uh, looking by an ND filter for his 105 millimeter 1.4, and fun fact, for 105 millimeter filter thread. There is pretty much no way to I would re for for portraits when I'm out shooting like a wedding or something like that. I always carry a free stop ND to be used with with my f 1.4 lenses, and yeah. even for the 200 millimeter, I have a drop in ND filter. So mm -hmm. that is kind of a disadvantage for such a portrait lens, I think. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Um, another lens you uh, haven't published published the review of is the Sigma Art 35 mm 1.4. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your findings so far on it, and then come back to the rumored 1.2 35 millimeter um, design for mirrorless from Sigma. Yeah, this this is a good idea. I can I can first tell you what I don't like about it, <laughs> what I hope they will improve with the one point So uh, generally, I like the focus ring, and I like that the focus ring has mechanical coupling, and I also like the autofocus manual focus switch. Those are all things um, I was really missing when using the, the Sony size 35 1.4, especially the, the AF MF switch, because I not always during a wedding, for example, I take pictures of people. Sometimes it's um, it's a flower, it's a wine glass, it's a shoe, it's whatever thing. And for these things, I cannot really rely on autofocus. And with the Sony lens, I always had to dig in the quick menu, change from manual focus to continuous autofocus and back. And it, it was quite troublesome. So I'm, I'm happy I don't have to do that anymore. In terms of optics, it's, um, 
for what I want to use it for, and this mostly using it at f1.4 and for environmental portrait, there is not that much difference to the Sony size in, in terms of, of sharpness at portrait distance and in terms of bokeh. Both have their own in-ring bokeh. There is not that big a difference. So if, if anyone was asking me today, out of the free native <laughs> 35 1.4 AF lenses, uh, which one should I buy is the Sigma, definitely. The other two, the Samyang and the Sony, they have too much sample variation. And um, I think their their chromatic aberrations are also too high. So for now, my recommendation in this area is definitely the, the Sigma Art 35 1.4. But now that brings me to the rumor 35 1.2. I can already tell you I am probably going to pre-order it. Pretty sure about that. Um, I hope that uh, off-center sharpness is slightly better. I hope they get rid of the onion ring bokeh. But I fear be now being a native mirrorless lens from scratch that it will also have focus by wire and no distance scale and I have no idea whether they are going to incorporate any button or aperturing. I doubt it because it probably would not work on all the different mirrorless cameras. So I Fear it in terms of features, it will be like the Samyang with no features. I agree with you on the focus ring. Uh, I don't really know why no one um, ever builds coupled focus rings with without focus by wire, but it seems to be that everyone one builds them so I would expect the same um, but I'm not sure about buttons or switches like um, is there really so I think a focus hold button you could program or an AFMF switch could be used by any mount couldn't it? Uh, I hope so and for now, I'm I'm okay with AF switch, but of course I would prefer if it was similar to the GM lenses. But I, I don't think that will happen. Okay. Do you think it's a credible rumor? I uh, I am I am still wondering and. I think it may actually be true that it is a 35 millimeter f2.0 and not f1.2. Okay. I still think there is a chance because depending on how you write and how you translate, sometimes you say uh, one slash two, and I think it can easily be easily be mistaken 
4F 1.2 and it would make a bit of sense because they already have those big heavy 1.4 lenses and now making high quality f 2.0 lenses it would also make sense to me yeah yeah uh, i think 1.2 would make sense from a business perspective um because they could beat could certainly beat Sony. They wouldn't have to really compete with 1.4. They would have the faster lens, um, so people would probably care less about size and weight. And um, Nikon just has a 1.8. Don't know what's on their roadmap. Do I do they have a faster 35 millimeter lens on their roadmap? Being not anytime soon. Yeah. I just looked. Um, Leica has a 35 millimeter 1.2 um, really? in SL mount. Zero, no. Uh, Apple's Micron, blah blah blah. 2.0 uh, then. Yeah, 2.0. Yeah, 2.0. And so they would directly compute compete if they have f2 lens, and if they have a f1.2 lens, they wouldn't have to. It would well, probably be easier to sell lenses there. And yeah, so I think it's much more, 1.2 would make sense from a business perspective. And yeah, don't know if the, his rumors are any credible in any way, but it's about time that we would get an actual, actual design for mirrorless lens from them. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. And they started their art line with a 35 millimeter lens. Makes sense that they start their new design for mirrorless lenses with a 35 millimeter lens. From what well. I've seen, their CEO is a bit of an emotional guy. So I, I also yeah. think that uh, just from that standpoint alone, it would make sense. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I really look forward to it because before you did your review of the um, Sony uh, Zeiss oh, uh, 35mm 1.8, my image of it knew that it uh, had much, much variation, but it was much more positive in regards to sharpness um, than what you actually got out of your copy. I still, still think other copies might be slightly better than yours in the mid-frame area, but then they would probably suck in a corner. Um, but in, on average, I would have expected a better performance there. Um, looking at Lens Rentals MTF, I didn't have really good reason to expect that, but your testing really showed me that the, the current 35mm lenses are really weaker kind of weak compared to many other modern lenses um, we have right now, like 50mm, 85mm, and even 24mm. So yeah. it's the weak, weakest fast lens in the lineup currently. And I think there's much room for improvement. And yeah, we'll be curious to see what Sigma can pull off there. What I was really surprised about, and I, I was 
thinking the same when I was uh, trying out off-center sharpness. I felt like, oh, this with with the Sony size at first, I was thinking like, oh, this is really not that great at all. But what changed my mind a bit was when I repeated the same test, same distance with the Sigma 35 1.4 R. And honestly, it it fares similar, maybe even a little worse than the Sony in this test. Yeah. And the 35 1.7 Voigtländer, it's it's so much better. It's completely unbelievable. Yeah. So now now I think that and and same happened. When I was comparing the Voigtländer to the uh, Zeiss ZM 35 1.4, it was pretty much the, the same exact result. So maybe it's impossible to build a 35 1.4 with decent off-center sharpness at portrait. I I really don't know, but I already tried like some of the most expensive 35 millimeter 1.4 lenses. And they all kind of sucked in that regard. So yeah. That leaves me wondering. Yeah. Um, um, another question with regard to the new Sigma lenses will be pricing. I think they won't be quite up to GM level, but closer to it than the like the current 35 millimeter 1.4 or 50 millimeter art lens, which are quite a bit below a thousand uh, while the 28 and 40 millimeter were well be well above a thousand dollars and they were also much better and bigger but yeah would probably expect prices to be uh, closer to well, let's guess 2000 or something in that area for f1.2 lens I think the price will be premium as well. I am I am actually not sure about that. But then, to be honest, by now I haven't really figured out lens pricing yet. <laughs> That's a great bridge to the Seven Artisans uh, 28 millimeter 1.4. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> true. Um, because I'm. We we all review many lenses, and sometimes you you see the manufacturer, you see the specs. Maybe you have a look at the at the longitudinal section, at the optical design, and you kind of know what to expect. I think, and in in most cases, this holds true. I think. But the seven artisans 28 1.4, my expectations weren't that great, to be honest, because their lenses before they were mostly cheaper designs, no spherical elements, no high refractive elements, low element count, and mostly, not all, but mostly. A character lenses like the the 50 millimeter 1.1, but 
this 28 millimeter 1.4 is surprisingly good and sometimes when you review a lens and you use it for like what two or three weeks before published review sometimes you you miss a thing that in the end annoys you but now i'm using that lens for three months and i like it even more than i did in the beginning okay. and or a lens that is less than 500 euro new this is pretty amazing yeah uh, i got, actually just got myself a, a copy which should arrive tomorrow for like used it was 380 euros so dirt cheap for a lens which would have been certainly above a thousand if it came from Volkblender or maybe above 2000 if it came from Zeiss. It is it is not a perfect lens. It also struggles a bit with off-center sharpness at f1.4 at, at certain distances. Yep. Like close distance is great. Uh, infinity is quite okay, but in between, just just like the 35 millimeter 1.4 lenses, it struggles a bit. But it becomes much better at f2.0 and it's still cheaper than the other 28 mm options. Yeah, it's really interesting that a manufacturer which before has built rather different lenses, more like character lenses, small affordable lenses, um, and then they built a really high performance lens like that. Um, Urien, you reviewed and kept the 50mm 1.41, right? Yes, indeed. I still use it. It's, uh, uh, it's very it's very small for what it is, and it's much fun to use. Yeah. It's very typical bulky rendering at uh, one, f1.1, but if you stop down to f1.4 only, bulky totally changes, and you, uh, it's like using another lens. Yeah. From the very samples you shared with us, I would guess you use it 90% of the time at 1.4? Yes. At 1.1, my yeah, book is too busy for me. Okay. Um, also, an, an older favorite of mine is the Minolta 58mm 1.2, which I rarely used at 1.2, um, mostly at f2, which like probably likes the seven artisans 50mm uh, 1.1. Uh, it, it has smooth bokeh, good sharp, decent sharpness, and so it's well behaved, well wide open. It's got um, yeah a lot of character, so a low contrast, uh, rather defined bokeh, and yeah. But you still still have a big penalty in terms of size and weight and price with the Minolta, while with the Seven Artisans. Yeah, you you basically get that 1.1 for free in terms yeah. of pricing and also size. So probably smarter to see it like a, a 1.4 lens, which does yeah. a really good job. And yeah. And others you're only 50 because for landscape it's totally useless because the bad corner sharpness and the field curvature. Yeah. Uh, did you? Did you research its performance on a thinner filter stack? Do you know if, if when it's used on Leica M, um, if 
field curvature is much reduced so that it would be usable landscape lens or is it similar? Uh, I've seen a few reviews on Leica M, it still wasn't very good. But on film it behaves very well, so if you're shooting film it behaves much better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but then probably you care less about sharpness anyway because yeah. well, you're shooting film. Yeah. yeah, I will really look forward to what they come up with next. Uh, we already know that, don't we, Bastian? Yeah, the 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 seventy-five f one point two five. So it's a direct competitor in terms of specs to the Nika Nika Oculus seventy-five one point two five. Um. Which is insanely expensive, the Leica lens. Like ten thousand dollars. I think more. No, no, twelve twelve thousand euros. Like a prices. Um, well, there is one on eBay for fourteen thousand. Maybe it's, uh, <laughs> some kind of special edition, or I, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I'm. I am not sure. Maybe it is. Uh, it it has been blessed in Wetzlar. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, with holy water and it, a ceremony, it, and um, comes in a nice box. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, more like it. Um, do you know anything about weight yeah. and size, uh, right? The the of the seven artisans. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Let me check. Is um, it is quite reasonable to my. I have the Leica specs here, and it seems to be a thousand and fifty-five grams. Oh, uh, okay. With a sixty-seven millimeter filter thread, so. Above one kilo is really, really heavy lens. The uh, seven artisans will be 608 grams. Oh, that's much it's more much like better. it. And and it's a 62 millimeter filter thread. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, should we say Voigtländer, like an English person would, would says, or Vogtländer, like a German one? I, I always <laughs> wonder about that. Uh, let's use German pronunciation for now. So the Vogtländer um, 75mm 1.4, I think it would be right. like 380 grams, so really, really light. And uh, I will, I'm certain maybe David or me or you will review that as well. So it will be interesting to compare them, both the right. seven artisans and the Vogtländer. Vogtländer. <laughs> the seven artisans, unfortunately, it is a bit delayed. Um, the first date I was told it will be available was end of May. As you all know, it is not end of May anymore. Yeah. And um, it it may take some more time. I have unfortunately no new date. Also, there. Uh, a 60mm 2.8 APS-C macro is apparently also delayed. Okay. But I, I don't know about the reasons, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, so, more we, 
Then yeah. we go to another lens because now we are still at seven artisans. Uh, a few days ago, I um, I had my my I was doing my S landscape astrophotography workshop on the Swabian Alps. Mm. And when I was reviewing the 28 millimeter 1.4, I was greatly surprised by its coma correction. So now I finally got the opportunity to do some Milky Way with it, and I have updated the review. So just maybe have a look. This is all I wanted to add. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we will pull it to the front in a couple of days yeah. again uh, because it really deserves that. It's uh, certainly an underappreciated lens so far. And also now, in the beginning, when I reviewed the lens, it was not that easily available. Most stores only had Leica. They didn't know about this um, version optimized for Sony. And now all the big stores, Amazon, eBay, B&H, they all have the FE Plus version. Ah, cool. It's easier to get now. Okay. Yeah, um, maybe it's time to talk about the Vogtländer 21mm f1.4, which uh, I'm currently reviewing. So I had a longer hiatus where I didn't do any reviews because uh, of job stuff. And now I have a, bit, a little bit more time at my hands and finally back to reviews, which is great. And yeah, so far I really, really like it. Um, it, it, yeah, I already own the 3.5 millimeter uh, f 3.5 lens, which so the question would maybe why do you need a 1.4 lens? For starters, the 1.4 is optically quite a bit better than the 35 millimeter which has that mid-zone dip I mentioned in the review. Um, it, it's not like it really matters that much for my images, which I rarely print really big. So it, it's more like a, um, I notice it in pic, uh, pixel peeping, which has little importance for my actual use, but it's nice to know that it performs really well there. And I also find that I like to have a fast superwide for some kind of environmental portraits. And the penalty in size and price isn't that big over like a Loxia 2.8 lens. It's a, a similar price and uh, like 160 grams or so more with better handling. So I think that will be an interesting lens for many. I still haven't uh, published any astral testing, but I did some. And uh, Bastian, you had a look at the samples. What was your impression from the coma performance? It it is um, it is good, but not great. It but that being said is probably not worse than the Sigma 20mm 1.4 art, which I was, um, when it came out, I, I bought it 
and I did some um, coma testing, and then I sent it back because uh, it the coma performance of that lens is not great and is super big and heavy, so that it simply wasn't worth it for me. And now this this blender seems to do the same in a smaller package, yeah. but. What worries me a bit is uh, really high vignetting figures. Really. Yeah, yeah, you actually don't gain gain much over the um, Tokina Ferrin. Yeah, this this 2. is two point eight thing. twenty millimeter. And I think especially for for those astro landscape images, uh, I want a bit of an even exposure across the frame as far as that is possible because I think the vignetting at f1.4 you said is, is 3.4 stops, right? Yeah. yeah, you hardly gain any exposure uh, when you're in the corners if you open the aperture from f2 to f1.4 um, there is hardly any increase in exposure in the corners because at f2 it's like uh, 2.7, 2.6, something like that. So I, I want an even exposure, in, in especially with 21. I would maybe still be doing panorama. So I want to stitch those images and then I have to uh, push the corners. Yeah. And if I have to push the corners by 3.4 stops. <laughs> the, I already have to use high ISO and then it will be really noisy. And uh, uh, also but, with yep. the horizon, which there is often light pollution, I may also overexpose parts of the frame, which I also don't like. Yeah. When taking the shot, is it really? Uh, um, if you take a panorama, you have some overlap, and that 3.4 stops figure is really the extreme corner, and um, like at f2, if I have a look at my smaller image, it's maybe the last five percent um, of the image, which are. Uh, visibly darker actually don't they get cropped away if you take a panorama uh, I would not bet on that with my panels with a 35mm 1.7 which has admittedly also very high vignetting I always have to lighten the seams between the images in post, which is a bit annoying. So, but maybe maybe Julian has an opinion on that as well. He's also doing some astro, I think. No. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the vignetting can be very annoying. I had that with my Vogtlander uh, 50 millimeters f 4.5. I used that for astrophotography as well, and the vignetting destroyed some of my panoramas yeah. because the high noise but um, yeah, if you use Photoshop 
to make the panorama, uh, you don't get the, the dark spots you get when you stitch the files in Lightroom. It's an important difference I noticed. Okay. Oh, interesting. I I was helping myself with the um, in the in the Seven Artisans 28 1.4 review. There is now also a um, landscape astrophotography panorama, and I was using the correction profile from the Voigtlander 35 1.7. And actually, that that worked quite well in Lightroom. There are there were no seams visible. I was quite surprised by that, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah. It's, it's trial and error. Yeah. I though I had a look at our vignetting tests and the 50 millimeter 4.5 Vogtländer um, actually has um, the extreme colors aren't really Dar much darker, but the dark zone uh, intrudes much more into the image. Um, so the fall off is much less um, gradual on it. Um, so I think that would cause more issues with vignetting than like the 21 millimeter 1.4, where the extreme colors are darker and then it quickly gets brighter. Do you mm. now intend to do more astrophotography? <laughs> Maybe. Um, still not. Uh, I like to get up early. I don't like to stay up all night. Oh, that is one challenge. But um, when I'm in the summer in darker parts of Wales or in the Alps, um, I would probably like to, but then uh, I don't, yeah, I have the 28mm 1.4, so maybe I can try a little bit with that, and yeah. if I get a taste for it, maybe in the end I will buy the 21mm 1.4. I, I fear a bit that uh, this lens will face a similar fate like the 24mm 1.4. What I noticed, Sony had pretty good marketing for the 24 1.4 GM, I think. They had lots of material out. They sent uh, the photographers, the bloggers to nice places. Uh, even the, the ones from, from Europe, they went to some Fisher village. It, they, there were pretty cool shots. Yeah. But the thing is, I think those super fast white lenses, they are mostly useful for astrophotography. And yeah. for, for people like it's 28 is the limit for me. Yeah. I, I don't like to go below that. I, I don't like the distortions I get. So I noticed many 24mm 1.4 GMs, they now show up on the buy and sell boards, which you guys know I, I kind of predicted when the lens was announced. Yeah. 
Uh, I think David made the argument that the GM 24mm is really a remar remarkable lens in terms of performance and also in relationship to the, its size and relatively affordable price. Um, but the optically certainly much inferior 35mm 1.4 from Sony is probably the more useful lens to many people even though it's optically inferior yeah I, i totally agree for like weddings concerts reportage i think there are two kinds of people the the one half they are just using a 24 to 70 2.8 and then there are people that prefer primes and i think seriously most of them they do 35 1.4 and 85 1.4 regardless of what camera they are using. Now, yeah. some prefer 28 instead of 35. Some prefer one of the 105, 1.4 instead of the 85. But it's, it's in that area, I think. So I think 35 is a very sought-after focal length. Uh, so you, four of us... Um, so all of us without me bought the G Master 24mm. You didn't keep it, uh, Julian. You bought yours more recently, and yes. how do you like it so far? Uh, I like it a lot, but I don't use it that often in the Netherlands. As the landscape here, <laughs> yeah. I bought it especially for Milky Way photography, as the coma correction is very good. Yeah, and it's very fast. So during my holiday, I will use the lot, I guess. Okay. Do you uh, think there's a chance that we will won't keep it afterwards because it's so limited in use for you, or does maybe two or three trips a year um, justify it for you? Well, it fits quite okay in the gap between uh, my 15 millimeter and my 50 millimeter because I have no modern lenses in between. So uh, okay. for that reason, I will keep it. Yeah. So um, you just reviewed the Minolta 55mm f2. A yes. re really old lens, but also a really good lens, at least in legacy terms, it seems. Yes, I think so. It's my favorite legacy lens I tested so far. Uh, What does it set it apart from other lenses in your view? Uh, the handling is very good. Uh, build quality is great. My lens is from 1965 and still feels like it just came out of the factory. Yeah. So yeah, that's an important aspect to me, and I really like its bokeh. It's very smooth, although yeah. it's not very fast. But there's barely any outlining. Yeah. It's quite a bit like uh, the 55mm f1.7 you reviewed, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a bit sharper, but a bit slower. Yeah, yeah I agree. It um, really also gets the balance between uh, bokeh and sharpness and handling and price really well. Um, so I would also call that 1.7 55mm from Minolta my personal Well, uh, at least one of my personal favorite legacy lenses. Yeah. Um, certainly the cheapest one uh, of the uh, of my favorite lenses. 
I still like the 58mm f1.2 from Minolta a little bit better, but it's, again, 5% performance and uh, many times the price. How much um, is it? I, I have no idea, so I have to ask. Um, the 1.2? Yeah. Uh, three, four hundred, maybe a little more euros. Not, not as bad as I feared it already was. It's it's no Leica lens, uh, certainly, but um, yeah, you gain a little bit of performance about above uh, thirty-five bucks. Um, Minolta fifty-five millimeter f two or f one point seven, and uh, pay ten times as much. Yeah. Uh, do you find yourself using legacy lenses on a regular basis still, or since you got the seven artisans 1.1 15mm, now the 24mm GM, um, has that reduced your usage of legacy lenses a lot, Urien? Uh, not that much, actually. <laughs> Uh, I still use the Minolta a lot. I have a lot of vintage 50s, and I like to, exper to, to experiment with the bokeh rendering, so I always bring two or three 50s in my bag when I go <laughs> to the forest. Okay. So I use them all a lot. <laughs> okay. With myself, uh, I find that uh, I probably should pack legacy lens more often, but since... Um, I'm pretty well covered in modern lenses right now. I have the Sony 16 to 35 millimeter f4, the Volkblender 21 millimeter 3.5, the Volkblender 40 millimeter 1.2, and the Volkblender 110 millimeter. So usually I take a set of three of, three of those, and much less often legacy lenses. One reason is that I like to work against the light and that's the one area where legacy lenses really, the difference between an old and a modern lens is really, really, really huge. So... Difference. Yeah. Um, still, if I, if I was a really pure, poor student today I was when I started uh, discovering legacy lenses I would probably use them and like them a lot still um, but as my budget has increased um, uh, I tend to move towards the more expensive more modern lenses um, which is a bit sad in a way because I really liked liked discovering those older older lenses but nowadays when I look at older lenses it's really that I feel that I get much out of using them instead of a more modern lens. Yeah, yeah I use them more for fun than for uh, very good images. Yeah. Um, another lens you uh, of which there will be a review Soonish is a Tamron 70mm to 210mm f3.8 to f4. Yes, it's true. It's a um, very push and pull from the 80s. 
but you showed quite a lo lot of samples um, and also your review is rather positive. Uh, for what applications do you use it? Uh, for close-ups, it's quite uh, it's quite great. It has an MFD mm -hmm. of 90 centimeters, so you can get really close at uh, 210 millimeters, especially yeah. for frogs and stuff. Uh, it's quite handy because they don't jump away because you can keep enough distance. And the bokeh rendering at near the maximum focus distance is, is very good. So that's a very typical rendering that I like a lot. Okay. Do you think using you could... <laughs> using it isn't fun, or what did you say? Yeah, using it isn't fun. Uh, it's a push and pull, so it's very hard to, to zoom and to focus with it very precisely, especially if you yeah. are not using a tripod. Yeah. So that can be, really be a challenge, especially as uh, you have to change the... IP settings, uh, the stabilization settings, every time you change focal length, so that's, it's quite yeah. annoying to work with. Yeah, back in the day I had the Canon FD 80mm to 200 f4L, and it was a really good lens optically, but it was also a push-pull, and um, while I really liked the images, it was pretty soon fed up with uh, always re, uh, changing the IBIS setting and in the end I got the 300mm f2, f4L and liked using that, that, that more even though the other lens was more handy. Okay. Yeah. I uh, also have... Jorin? Yeah, I, uh, I also have uh, another zoom. Uh, what, was, what brand was it again? A Vivitar uh, 1750. That one is, is much uh, much handier to use because it's not a push and pull, but it's very decentered. But it mm -hmm. behaves quite similar, so I yeah. maybe should get uh, well centered from that to review. Yeah, it's much smaller also. Yeah, yeah. Somehow these 70 to 150 millimeter. Lenses, zoom lenses came out of fashion, but I also have an Ola Minolta, and it's really astonishing how good a performance they got out of that in, back in the 80s. And it's you can only imagine what they would be able to do today with them. I hope you will see one in the future. Good luck. Uh, Bastian, do you still use any legacy lenses right now? Uh, let me think. Um, any legacy lenses right now? Let me have a look in my... Uh, I still have the Vision uh, 168 1.9 for sale. I have a few old Canon lenses, but calling them legacy might be a bit of a stretch. Uh, so like uh, 70 to 200 f4 or yeah or the the, the 55 uh, 45 tilt shift it's it's also okay. like 25 years old so yeah. it, we, we could call it the legacy lens but it it really isn't um no I also, the reason is that some finally, after we had many years of 
manufacturers only pushing for better sharpness. We now have uh, like Sony with the GM85 1.4 and also Voigtlander with the 51.2 that put a bit more emphasis on the bokeh. Yeah, true. I was like some time ago, I was using that uh, old Russian Jupiter 985 2.0. I, I really like it for for soft portraits, mm. but um, now the, the Metacon 50 0.95 or the 85 GM, they pretty much fill that role and better. So I have not that much use for these uh, old. Uh. Yeah, I think there are two main big reasons to use them today. If you are on a really short budget, they're still a great idea because there are not that many budget lenses, or, yeah. but also there's some Chinese lenses which start to compete, like the 7 Artisans 28mm we mentioned, or the 50mm because they are not much more expensive than uh, used legacy lenses. Yeah, this this is so true. And try finding a legacy lens like 28 1.4. I think there was a Nikon one, but that has was made of, <laughs> of the stuff of legends and was really expensive. It it is super expensive. It was uh, I think the second Nikon lens to feature a hand-polished spherical element and it is it is actually more of a collector's item than a lens these days and we have yeah. we have collectors for all kind of cameras and yeah. all of those they want one obviously and they often have too much money so yeah doesn't yeah. make much sense to buy a legacy lens there and uh, I think the other reason would be if you are into lens character, whatever you understand um, uh, about about that, yeah, what your di uh, whatever your definition of lens character is. Um, but I think that's less of a motive for us. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, Maybe may talking about questionable character yeah think it's a good opportunity to talk about the Zenitar 50mm 0.95 uh, it I, was I get really it. entertaining to read your review and feel your yes. frustration <laughs> it it is, um, as, as you may or may not know, some time ago I started an Excel sheet containing all the lenses that I personally bought, that I used, or that I reviewed. And by now this this is pretty long. I think I am now at 117 or 118, something like that. Probably I have also missed a few. And this uh, Zenitar is probably one, if not the biggest disappointment among all of those. 
Oh, that's quite a feat. Yes, um, there is. I am so disappointed. It's um, it's really that bad, in my opinion. And I was really hoping for it to be better. It's um, because of the size and the weight. I was hoping that in some areas they may improve on on the Zhongyi Mitakon, but they they really didn't. It's F zero point nine five is for me is not really usable. And one there was one comment on the blog today. Uh, I quite like it. He said that is pretty much seven artisans, fifty millimeter f one point one, but three times more expensive, <laughs> nearly four times heavier, bulkier, and it seems seven artisans also has better build quality. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I didn't write it like that, but it is kind of the way I feel about that lens as well. Uh, reminded me a bit uh, back in the day when I reviewed the Trioplane plan um, 2.8 100mm which also has a huge following and if you look at it from a te technical technical perspective it's such a shitty lens and um, I see that so I can understand it if people say I want as many aberrations as I can get in my images because I like that. I don't agree with them, but it's fine if they like it. But many people claimed it was also a decent performer in regards to sharpness or anything else, and it just isn't. It was. It's just really, really bad lands as would be expected from a 100 years old design but um people talk themselves into yeah believing that lenses are much better than they are and it also in this case seems that like there were quite a few people who just wanted to the senator to be good yeah uh, and yeah. yeah well it isn't Actually, on on one German board, I wrote that um, people who who like the trio plan or who like the the Voigtlander 35 1.4 Classic, that those may like this lens, but then I still think the Seven Artisans 51.1 will appeal to them just as much if not yeah. more yeah yeah so, that's also my feeling with the trial plan if you use any legacy 15 meter lens at f1.4 they all have really outline outlined bokeh and um are not that dif uh, different from the uh, trial plan But they cost again maybe 10% of what you pay for a trial plan, which was just a yeah. hype lens. All those Meyer lenses are hyped. It's incredible how expensive they are. Yeah. 
and the Pentacle I reviewed, you also have the older version branded as Maya, and it's it's much more expensive, but it's exactly the same lens with exactly the same rendering. So yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, like the, if these Maya lenses were in any way special, but I really can't see it. Probably we will get a few comments uh, to enlighten us, but I don't see anything special about the performance. Even if you are into lenses with a lot of aberrations and um, defects, um, then there are other lenses with as many aberrations and defects and mm, a similar look for a fraction of the price. The Maya lenses are hyped. Yeah. For for some reason, I don't really understand. To be honest, it's it's not like it ever was a great lens company. It it never was. It's it's no Zeiss. It's it's no Leica. It's also no Voigtlander. It, yeah. Back in the day, it was like a cheap brand. Like. Uh, Today, like some years ago, Sigma was, and today, maybe some young. Some young, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I agree. Yeah, uh, I mean, Zeiss, they certainly have a legacy, and um, they make good use of it today. While I don't think that their lenses are they are any better at building lenses than other, for example, Sigma is. They can sell them for more money, so they might be a little bit better, but it's not a feat which Sigma couldn't pull off. It's just that Zeiss can pay sell them where Sigma probably couldn't as well, so they can deliver an Otis lens for 4,000 euros or... or Similar. No. And I would yeah. actually like to to have a closer look at that uh, Milvus 35 1.4 to just to see how it compares to the other 35 millimeter lenses. I yeah, yeah, it's certainly a modern design. Uh, let me look up. Uh, the MTF is super heavy. That's for sure. I think 1.2 kg plus adapter. So it's it's actually it's the design and the parameters are Otis like, so to speak. Also, the chromatic aberration control, because that was always what defined these lenses for me. I am not really sure about that, to be honest. Okay. Downloads. Uh, that is. Let me have a look at the MPF. In, in their samples, it looks pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I have the MTF curve for it here, and it's uh, the um, 40 cycles per millimeter is always above 40%, um, and only dips below at 90 millimeters or so 
and then only to 30 percent uh, um, it look, looks really good so yeah it would be probably worthwhile but size isn't exactly forthcoming with review samples so oh, no. good luck and also the, the problem that I really found I I reviewed lots of 35 in detail and sometimes those MTF charts they they don't tell the whole story I mean sure is nice you have a 35 1.4 with decent corner sharpness but then the Sigma for example it, it is pretty good at infinity but it is less good at portrait distance so one looks good in an MTF chart and the other one would actually be good for my shooting. Yeah. So that's a bit of a problem. Uh, did you ever have a closer look at the Samyang 1.2 35mm XP? Um, not yet, actually. Can I buy it already? I think so. Uh, what a buy. It's 1.1 kilos, so I don't think you would enjoy using it a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's imported through Walser in Germany. Let me have a look. Um, I mostly see the APS-C lens, so... Yeah. I had guessed that it was on the market for a long time, but it seems like I was wrong. Yeah, I don't find it for sale right now. Oh. It, it seems to have a very blue chromatic aberration, judging by the samples on their side, yeah. coupled with wailing flare. Ah. Okay. Okay looks okay-ish in the few samples I've seen in review right now. Yeah. But little bokeh fringing in that shot. Yeah, I see some of that too on the official side. Uh. Okay, uh, maybe worthwhile to investigate that uh, when you wait for uh, uh, Sigma to arrive. Amazon.com, you can buy it, buy it for $800 right now. I wanted to check B&H. They... Huh. 85, 50, they... Oh, there it is. Yeah, eight eight hundred. More on the way, so it's not exactly available. Uh, at Amazon, it seemed to be available. Okay. Yeah. It may be worth a try. Oh, it even has electronic aperture. Interesting. I I actually I would like to try these. XP lenses 
Uh, maybe that would be a Samyang lens which someone of us really liked. Uh, like um, um, the current uh, 45 millimeter 1.8, which looked good at first, and Yannick was a little bit enthusiastic about it for a short time. And then he got two copies, and both were badly decentered, yeah. and uh, other people had AF issues. And um, it's not like we don't give them a chance, but uh, they always seem to disappoint. It's also the one thing is that it's not so easy for us to get review samples from the company directly. And because of these rather bad experiences in the past, none of us really wants to take the risk to buy one. Yeah. I'm a little tempted to uh, get the 85mm 1.4 again. I just recently got the Sony 85mm 1.8, but as long as I have a Generation 2 camera, the autofocus isn't that helpful so it would be probably better off with a manual focus lens and it has really nice bokeh that I'm young while the Sony is okay in critical circumstances but certainly not great and also for me I found that with those cheaper lenses okay xp is not their cheap series and i haven't really tried one yet but they often cut corners somewhere like the the, the aperture blades they are not really well aligned and the 35 1.4 af i read really bad reports on the manual focus several people claimed they they rotate the manual focus ring and nothing happens <laughs> and and wow. things like that so i am just not really confident yet but this may change over time uh, i think every half year or so we should give them another chance yeah uh, absolutely. <laughs> Let's wait. Maybe one day we will really like a lens. Um, the, yeah. like, there was some hype about the 85mm 1.4 with AF recently, and um, but that died down rather quickly after many people had AF issues. And yeah. But we should never forget that a few years ago there were also only few Sigma lenses we would have considered. Yeah. And they certainly have come a long way in the last maybe five years. Yeah, they also moved up market and I think Samyang is rather successful in their lower budget segment and yeah. we are not their core target audience, I guess. Uh, probably not, no. No. Okay. Well, well, actually, for the XP series, we might be. Yeah, that's true. So, maybe give it a try. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think it's a good moment to wrap it up. What 
do we yes. have up upcoming on the blog? Um, personally, I have a review of the Tokina Ferrin 2.8-100 macro. Um, to cut it short, it's a solid lens, but way overpriced at the moment because it has a few shortcomings and it should have these at the current price. From you, Jurian? Uh, I'm still busy with the 70210 uh, Tabon review. I hope to finish that quickly. Yeah. And I hope on my trip to take some samples for my Canon UFD 135mm f3.5 review. Yeah, I look forward to that. That's certainly an affordable and good lens. It's a good landscape potato lens, I think. Yeah. Very cheap. Uh, and in a tiller lens, um, flare resistance isn't that important because you rarely shoot into the sun and modern lenses aren't great either. So, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's quite okay, the flare resistance even. Oh, okay. And if my other 135 millimeters are way worse. So, in that regard, it isn't that bad. Okay. Yeah, uh, I also have a 200mm f4 can can a new FD, which as long as you don't care about uh, chromatic aberration too much, is also a fine landscape lens in my eyes. Contrast isn't super high and so, but I'm usually happy with the results and it's rather compact. Okay. From Bastian? Yeah, I have the Sigma Art 35 1.4 review coming. The technical part of the review I'm already finished with, yeah. but uh, I want to use it a bit more in the field, and take some more nice samples. And um, apart from that, I have nothing upcoming. So if mm -hmm. any of you want to send us some, some young XP lens, just get in contact. Yeah. Uh, I think they've got an 85mm 1.2 lens as well. Maybe that would be interesting to have a look at as well. And yeah, 50 as well, actually, and also the 14. All, all of the them. 14.2.4 got rather positive reviews from some people I take serious for astro performance. So, yeah, maybe if someone can lend you one. We'll certainly have a look. And also, very often we get that we should review more Nikon lenses. Um, okay. The problem is I just noticed again how expensive they are on the used market. So now a, a cheapish uh, Series E 51.8, um, there are many way north of 100 euros. So seriously? Is, yeah, seriously. Um, um, the, the average price was like 70 euro. Why? Two to three times uh, what, what you pay worth? for a lens from Canon or Minolta, which is comparable in performance. Exactly. So, yeah. so if and they still turn the wrong way round, which true. is still annoying. So if if someone has an interesting Nikon lens like the old uh, 105 1.8 or the, the 200 millimeter 2.0 ai is still missing you can also get in contact 
<laughs> uh, don't expect a too positive review because uh, it's already clear that it has quite a lot of CA. Which but it, like. it is also the cheapest lens in this class and sometimes a bit of CA comes with a bit of nice bokeh. Yeah, that's so true. maybe it's not that bad in the end. Okay. Maybe one of you is giving me the chance to find out. Okay. Yeah, thanks for taking part and have a nice holiday, you two. And see you soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye bye.